Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You're listening to the Archaeology Podcast Network. This is the CRM Archaeology Podcast. It's the show where we pull back the veil of cultural resources management archaeology and discuss the issues that everyone is concerned about. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome to a special episode of the CRM Archaeology Podcast. We're talking safety and when to speak up on a field crew in the wake of a terrible tragedy related to heat that happened this week. There's no sponsors and no ads on this show. All we ask is that you share it with someone that needs to hear it. On to the show. Welcome, everybody, to a special episode of the CRM Archaeology Podcast. We're recording this on July 13th, 2022. A few days ago, 24-year-old archaeologist Kaylin Gerke, and I hope I'm pronouncing her name right, on her first day as a field tech, collapsed and died from what's being called a sudden medical event while working for Shreveport Cultural Resource Analysts in the Kisachi National Forest, uh, the Kisachi District in Natchitoches Parish. Um, this is all down in the Louisiana area. The National Weather Service reports that the temperature was 98 degrees Fahrenheit with a heat index of over 107 degrees. And today we're going to talk about safety, speaking up when you don't feel right about your body or situation, and knowing when to say it's too much. Joining me on this conversation is Andrew in California. Hey guys. Heather, also in California. Hi hey everyone. And Rachel, at the other end of the RV for me in British Columbia, Canada. <laughs> hey, guys. So, yeah, so Rachel and I were talking about this yesterday when the when the news kind of broke on this and we saw it on Facebook. And we just said, we got to put something out. What we're going to say right up front here is we're not going to talk about the company she was working for. It's not part of this conversation, this particular conversation. You know, we're not going to discuss that for for the reasons that we're just talking about safety, right? We're talking about safety. We're talking about personal responsibility and speaking up for yourself and just what you can do to, I guess, not put yourself in a situation that could put you in, in danger, if not mortal danger. So Heather, I think we'll just start with you because I mean, you're you're, you're running, of the people on this call right now, you're running large field crews or at least multiple people on, on multiple projects. And, you know, you're in Southern California. You're, you're It's hot down there. It's not quite as humid as it is in Louisiana. It's probably not humid at all sometimes, depending on where you're at. But you are dealing with situations where, where people could be putting themselves in harm, whether it's from heat-related injuries to you know climbing up the sides of mountains to you know monitoring around heavy equipment and stuff like that. I'm curious as to how you prep people or maybe how your HR preps people for how to deal with situations they don't think they should be in or when they think that their their physical readiness isn't quite where it should be or something like that. I'm, I'm just curious to how you, you deal with that just from the start. So when we uh, bring somebody on, first and foremost, which I think is really important in CRM, is that people should be training not only their full-time staff or their part-time staff, they should be training as needed staff too. Because mm-hmm. actually as needed is who's going to be more often than not, 
you know, your crew is made predominantly of as needed employees. And so we have an orientation that's aimed towards everyone. So we train everyone as needed, full-time, part-time. And it starts with, we have specific, I mean, literally to get through orientation, it can take you three, four days of like eight hour days. (laughs) That's a lot of that's administrative, but a lot of it is safety. So we train people from the very beginning, but you're also throwing a lot of information at them. And you may be throwing information safety-wise that they just haven't grown up that way. Uh, they didn't grow up in a uh, family that thought that way, or maybe their family's, you know, doesn't, you know, isn't outdoors people, whatever. So now we also have ongoing training. So people are required to, and they get paid for their training. And so we have uh, texts that go out. We have when HINDA indexes go up, we have um, training, ongoing training. We have emails that come out as a reminder. One of the mm-hmm. things that's hard is that when you're throwing a lot of things at people, they tend to ignore them. So they try to use my company tries to use different kinds of modes of communication. And so that that's one thing. The other is, and I think it's probably one of the most important things, a second most important thing is looking out for each other, the buddy system. And not only does that where you're looking out for people, but encouraging this culture of it's okay for you to say, I don't feel well. So the mm-hmm. more that you communicate that, the more people feel at ease, where a lot of times, you know, I know... Chris and I somewhat the same. We're all about the same age. I think I think I'm a little <laughs> older than you and Rachel, but um, there's there's this like concept where you can't, you know, you're the tough person. You can't, you know, talk about those types of things. Yeah. And I do think that culture is changing and that's good. Then the number one to me is your own personal responsibility. And no matter what kind of company you work for, whether it's a company like mine that's very safety safety oriented, or you're working for a company that is not the responsibility is yours. And uh, sometimes it's uncomfortable to stand up for yourself, but your responsibility is yours and to know your own body, but also to educate yourself. Because there's a mm-hmm. lot of things that we were talking about earlier. One of the things as far as heat related is that, you know, this uh, Kaylin, unfortunately, she lived in Montana and she had just recently moved to Texas. And then all of a sudden she's in Louisiana and she's going from cool, yeah. dry, location to a very hot and humid location and your body Mm -hmm. needs to build up tolerance to heat. And so I think just knowing your own body and educating yourself is important. Yeah. And I mean, that's all very well said. And I think, I think one of the things that I'm I'm also curious to know is the, the big problem with field techs, especially, and as needed employees is you're always worried about your job. You're always worried mm-hmm. about, you know, am I going to be employed here, you know, after this project, let alone if something happens and I have to bail on this project, what's the company going to think of me? Are they going to blacklist me? Are they never going to hire me again? I, I, I think that is one of the biggest things. Like you can have all the promotional things that say drink water, you know, tell somebody you're not feeling yes. well, stuff like that. But in the end, if you physically can't do the job, I think that people need to just realize that, yeah, different companies are going to have different policies, but some companies may not be able to place you again. And it's okay for you to just leave. It's okay for you to just say, listen, I can't either work in this region or I can't work on this particular project or whatever the case may be and go, you know, it might be real hardship for you, but go find something else to do. I think Rachel's got her hand up. Yeah, I just, I really, really identified with Kaylin. And I think it's because I can remember vividly showing up to my first day as a field tech and having no idea what I was about to put my body through. 
and what the yeah. next, you know, 10 years of doing field work was going to be like and working in different really harsh environments and really harsh conditions. And you just, it's just a lot. And it, even though people tell you, bring this much water, wear this kind of clothing, get these kind of boots, do all these things that are meant to be for your personal safety. When you're brand new and it's your first day, it's it's easy to think, well, that's a little extreme. I don't need three mm-hmm. liters of water. Who drinks three liters of water in a day? Right. And then you run out at two o'clock and, you know, you face the consequences of that. I've been that person and and was too embarrassed to speak up and say, oh, I ran out of water, even though we still have three more hours in the day. You know, you just I have been the person who just powers through. So I think the reason I wanted to be in this conversation is to hopefully help empower new and young field techs to stand up for themselves. And and it's okay. It is okay to say that you're out of water or that you just cannot climb one more hill. Your legs are going to collapse. Mm-hmm. Or as in the case that Chris and I experienced, we our fingers were so cold in Ohio one time that I'm pretty sure we almost got frostbite. Like it's okay <laughs> to say those things because if you don't speak up for yourself, then the consequences could be so bad. Yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, yes, Chris, you're right. There's there's this fear that people aren't going to, you know, companies aren't going to use you again. And that's really easy for me to say this, what I'm about to say from a perspective of having a full-time <laughs> job and not having to worry about it. And also being in management and knowing that I don't treat employees like that. That's a really privileged position I'm in. But I will mm-hmm. say from perspective, because I've been there, I have been there with that thought that I'm not going, if I were to say something, I'm not going to get hired again um, as an as needed employee. If a company treats you that way, that you it's really, you're going, you're already going down the wrong road. So mm-hmm. maybe it's actually a good indicator. So when you speak up for yourself, first of all, again, we've talked about this before. Don't go in with an antagonistic attitude thinking that they are going to vilify you for for speaking up for yourself. Just, you know, communicate clearly. I'm not feeling well. Give them a chance to do the right thing. If they don't, mm-hmm. it's an uncomfortable position right then and there. And you have to fight, you know, you have to do what's right for you. But at least you now know what kind of company they are, or you at least know what kind of supervisor that person is. And Mm -hmm. that's actually power. Knowledge is power. And Mm -hmm. it's time to move on because it's not going to get better from there. (laughs) So, so it's, it's sometimes good to know those things and as, as uncomfortable as it might be now, Coming from somebody who's experienced and been in this for a while, I just made a stupid mistake last year where we mm. were in awful conditions in the Coachella Valley. It was like 115 degrees. We started work at 5 a.m. Um, just so that we could start working. And it was so bad that I, at some point, my two partners I was working with, they're like, Heather, you know, you're going to sit down right now in the shade. And they ran and got the... Uh, the truck and they brought it around and put me in it to cool me down because I literally was looking and I was pushing myself. I'm like, so I'm 50 years old and they're Mm -hmm. almost half my age. And sometimes I forget that (laughs) I I want to keep up and I'm like, why am I giving myself such a hard time? I'm 50, I'm twice their age, you know? (laughs) So even somebody who's been in it for a while makes stupid, stupid decisions. And, you know, you have to give yourself a break, but you you have a responsibility. That was on me. Nobody pushed that on me at, at all. That was on me um, not taking care of myself and taking personal responsibility. 
Thank goodness I did. That have sounds familiar, studies. Chris, doesn't yeah. it? Uh, did it, that it does. happen to you sometime recently? <laughs> <laughs> I was going to mention it was about uh, 2015 or something like that down in Imperial Valley, California uh, in September. And it was just stupid hot. It was stupid hot. And my colleague and I were, you know, just going up and down sand dunes and it was just so bad. And we were, we, we, in those really hot, miserable areas, we like to, uh, when we're transecting, just like parallel transects, we like to go, I, I, I like to do a transect that's away from the vehicle in this, we were doing squares basically. So away from the vehicle in the bottom end of the transect and then, you know, doing north, south or whatever it is back towards the vehicle. So by the time I started to, by the time I started to realize that I was actually probably extremely dehydrated and I was drinking a ton of water too, by the way, it was just leaching it right back out of me. And by the time I realized I was probably getting some kind of heat exhaustion, you know, leading to like a heat stroke or something like that, it was too late. Right. Like I could barely get to the truck and my colleague, we had stopped to take a little break and she is just like, I was like, you know what? I don't like feel super great. <laughs> she immediately was just like, we're going to the truck. And we just, we sat there, we had some cold drinks there. We flashed, we turned on the AC, you know, just trying to cover myself, get out of the heat. And I instantly started to feel better, but it was, we were done for the day. Like we were, this is it. Let's just yeah. go home and come back. And, and working down there and then working up at China Lake in that same time frame. You're, you're right. I mean, you do some things that you have to do. And sometimes the field techs, I mean, to be honest, sometimes field techs complain about it. We had up to a two hour drive to get out to one of the ranges when we were working China Lake Naval Weapon Center. And in the just dead heat of the summer, that just wasn't going to fly. So we were leaving at 3, 3.30 in the morning so we could be out there at first light where it was just beyond the sun coming up. So it was light enough to see artifacts because we still have to do archaeology. And that's what we had to do. You know, we're having lunch at nine o'clock in the morning and we're off by 11, <laughs> 12 and, yep. we're, and we're getting home and then we're going to bed at four o'clock in the evening because, you know, we got to get up at two. So it was just, it was a weird time, but you do what you have to do in order to, you know, make that right. Now, somewhere like down in Louisiana, there's almost nothing you can do to make that right. It is hot at two o'clock in the morning in the summertime. Mm -hmm. And it is just, and it is just, I don't know. And the humidity, the humidity. it's just terrible. It's yeah. Right. And, and uh, Andrew, I was going to ask for your opinion on this now. <laughs> first, uh, luckily, I'm the only one here who's never done anything stupid. So uh, <laughs> I feel like I just. Wait, wait, hold walk. on. Let's, let's, uh, yeah, let's cue in the laugh track. What is, what is this weird, stupid thing? No, I've learned from all the stupid things I've done. What, what I would say going off, Chris, what you were just talking about is man the humidity factor, you know, in a place mm -hmm. like Louisiana, like I just got back from Belize, right? I was in Belize, yeah. you know, last week for, for a week and I, and it just came all right back to me. People even mm -hmm. in California, they think they know heat, but they don't. So yeah. I could see somebody even from California going sure. to someplace yeah. like Louisiana and really having these same, same Absolutely. problems. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I have a couple, a couple things that I've learned from doing like jungle archaeology where it's just so sweaty and hot. When people say you'll drink up to a gallon of a day, that's true. You know, it yeah. seems like it's not, but it is. I will mm -hmm. also say there's never such thing as carrying too much water. One of, right. one of my old yeah. professors used to say, oh, you have too much water at the end of the day? Pour it on your head. It's like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. You know, relax, mm -hmm. cool off. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I would also say a couple of tricks I've learned in the early morning. If you know you're going out on a day that's just going to be humid, horrible, just like this day was right. This Monday in Louisiana, yeah. 
drink as much water as you can right before you leave. I mean, drink water to pain. And the, na- the night before. Right. But too. really that yeah. morning, really yeah. that morning, like right before to, to pain, because then your body is carrying the water. So like drink water mm-hmm. to pain, then put at least a gallon in your backpack and stuff. Yes, I know it's heavy, but it's worth it. The other thing I always tell my students, and it this sounds funny, but it's serious. Archaeology is not worth dying for. So listen, like you guys have been saying, listen to your body. You know, your body knows and your mind does, too. That little voice inside when you're walking and you're like, I'm pretty sure this is really stupid. You know, I'm I'm pretty sure we've gone too far. And it, it. you start to race against others or something like we talked about before, you know, you're like, Oh, I got to look okay for everyone else. No, 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 no. That little voice. I mean, what are you doing? You're surveying what in a desert or something. It's all right. It's still going to be there tomorrow. Right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I, I would also say that every time I've ever stopped something and I've done this both in academics and in CRM where I stopped the day early, it was my call. And I was just like, screw it. You guys We're going back. Yep. I was never fired. I might have gotten a couple, you know, side glances or whatever for an afternoon. But so what? Those were from fools who didn't understand. And um, and it was always the right call. I've never looked back and been like, man, I should have pushed everyone harder. You know, Mm -hmm. I never thought that once. If anything, every time I can think of where I did that, I'm like, man, I should have called it 15 minutes earlier. You know, and what are you saving? You're saving what 15 minutes, a half an hour. You know, and when you do Mm -hmm. that, when you make that call, you it puts everyone at ease. And you know what? You you may be answering to one person above you, but how about the 15 people that are looking to you for for guidance and for leadership? And you now automatically now they trust you. They'll go to the ends of the earth for you. I mean, Absolutely. I might be exaggerating a little bit, but no, they'll it's true. at least go to the ends <laughs> of the survey for you. Yes. You know, when, <laughs> the when transect. They, I'll be there. At, you know, you're going to get a lot more out of people. And this it's not a manipulative thing. No. It's just an honest thing. If you are backing them up, people will go the extra mile for you because yes. they mm-hmm. trust you. It's not a payment, a reciprocity necessarily. No. It is, I trust you. So you know what? I'm going to do more because I know you have my best interest at heart. Right. It's called leadership. Remember that leadership, (laughs) (laughs) you know, like that's, that's what it is. And you're absolutely right, Heather. I mean, after I've done stuff like that, how many times did people come up to me in private and go, man, Andrew, thank you so much for doing that. You know, like, like that kind of stuff happens again and again, because in the grand scheme, it is obviously the right call. Like like we're dying out here. Literally we're sweating to death. It's 107 degrees out. Let's, stop the madness yeah. right and I, it's yeah. okay you i know? would like to i'd like to consider and this is i just uh, so awful for her for her yes for her parents and you know let's let's just look at and this is not at all you know putting anything on her at all but it's something that we need to think about right so at her age she's young. She, you know, most people, they're young, think they're invincible and you don't know what your body can do. So let's Mm -hmm. say if, let's say you're an archaeologist and you weren't really into sports, people that have been, grew up with sports, you kind of know your body a little bit better, but what if you're, Mm -hmm. what if you weren't? And so now you're putting yourself, all of a sudden you're going from like zero to 60 and you're expecting your body to do things that's never done before. And so you need to understand also that there's, you know, 
there are things about your body you don't understand. So you need to, you know, educate yourself. You need to really listen to your body, like we're all all saying. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is, is that I think a lot of young people do not go and get physicals because they, right. ju- you know, they've gone to, they've done physicals for, for school, right? Maybe, but mm-hmm. They're in their 20s. Who goes and gets a yearly physical? A lot of people, I know I didn't, you know. So, so, you know, these are things that could be checked. Like maybe, uh, hopefully, you know, who who knows? Maybe maybe she had an underlying condition that she didn't even know about, right? And Mm -hmm. these are things that we go and we require athletes to go and take physicals. I really think that even if companies aren't going to do it, I think that one of the things that professors should be sharing is before you go into this job, you and if you're really focused on field work, you should really go get a physical. See if there right. is mm-hmm. something that's maybe a little off, uh, you know, in your body. And you know what? Maybe it's not a deal breaker. Maybe it's just something that now you know this about your body. So, yeah. you know, you have to go in and be prepared in one way or another. Right. I literally had a physical today. That was what I couldn't record earlier because at one o'clock I had a physical. And nice. unfortunately for you all, I'm not going to die. So, uh, <laughs> deal with it. Deal with it. Um, all right. I was going to say, the show. Yeah. <laughs> Too bad. I'm still here. Babies. Uh, how, many, how many physicals did you do, Andrew, mm-hmm. in your tw- in your 20s? I think negative one. Yeah, me too. Yeah, same. <laughs> no, never. And, and I and still don't do are, them, and I'm in my 30s now. Yeah, so what right. does that make yeah, me? me? Yeah, me either. And I'm <laughs> actually, actually, you know what? I think I had to have one the first time I went to Belize. I think they oh, wanted it. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. Smart. So funnily enough, that. I think I had one. I really do yeah. think that that yeah. you know mm-hmm. knowledge is power, mm-hmm. and so you know that is one more thing. What does it take? You know, you just go get a physical. You can go to urgent care. They don't cost much. Yeah. Or student health. Or student health is golden for that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I kind of wanted to shift the conversation to like the company responsibility. And I know we're not going to talk about the company specifically and what they may or may not have done because we don't know. And we're not going to speculate or cast blame or do anything like that, obviously. But I think when you're talking about personal safety, you kind of it's. You, you sort of have to be reaching towards each other, you know, like mm-hmm. you as the employee do and then the company also as well. And I just wonder when you're in these extreme scenarios, if there are things that the company should be doing, like, you yep. know, when like forcing extra breaks, maybe you take a, a 10 minute break every hour or something like that. And you you make sure everybody is drinking water appropriately and stuff like that. And I mean, I don't know if you can even do that. Can you stand there and like force a person to to drink water I, I don't know but but I feel that. like it, I mean you might have to right and peer yeah. pressure and, right but okay. it's like we're saying these younger young field techs who haven't maybe been in the outdoors a lot I'm making an assumption obviously we don't know anything about Kaylin here specifically but just sure. in general I've worked with people who were young who'd never been in the field they didn't know how to really handle themselves in an extreme environment all day long while also being physically active all day long and mm-hmm. you just have to you have to be looking out for them so i i kind of feel like there is some responsibility on the company to both teach the safety measures but then also make sure mm-hmm. there's people on the crew who are watching out for the people who may not have as much experience or have as much know-how when it comes to that stuff mm-hmm Absolutely. Well, there's, there are very specific heat, you know, related 
trainings and OSHA has guidance. OSHA is actually mm-hmm. rewriting their guidance when it comes to heat indexes and heat related environments. But, you know, there are very specific, like you have to provide shade OSHA, well, Cal OSHA. Mm-hmm. I don't know if there's mm-hmm. other, other states. I'm sure m- many or most states have that, but you have to provide shade. Now, sometimes there's natural shade. And in this case, I, I don't know from the pictures, it looked like there probably was natural shade, right? Mm-hmm. But that's mm-hmm. one thing that it's like, that's a no, like that's, you have to do that. OSHA requires mm-hmm. it. So at least in California, they do. So, you know, there's that sort of thing. I actually worked on a project for five years and they had these, what was it called? Wet bulb temperature, uh, global temperature. And it was yeah. an a machine that they would put out and it would tell them because heat indexes are good, but they can be deceptive. And so this is supposed to be the best regular, best reader of heat and how it can impact people. And they had this reader and they would, as soon as the alarm went off, that meant everybody had to stop. And they, they literally, Mm. there was no choice. I mean, I don't know if they Mm. didn't force us to drink, but there was no Mm -hmm. choice. We had to stop and we could not do anything and we had to go under the shade. And so, you know, those are things that I I think there's a lot of companies that don't know OSHA the way they should. There's a lot of CRM Mm -hmm. companies that are doing the best that they can, some that aren't, but there are a lot of companies that are they don't have a specific HR or safety coordinator. There's a lot of companies that don't have that. And so they're not trained. They don't even know where to look. Like they know OSHA, but it's not all Mm -hmm. that intuitive. And so they don't even know the rules. And uh, so I think a lot of times that's where companies are failing is because they're just, they don't know. And Mm -hmm. so they're not doing what they need to do to keep their employees safe. Yeah. And it's like, it's got to be a top down thing too, right? Like the... The the people at the top need to be training the the project managers on how important safety mm-hmm. is, and then they need to train their crew chiefs on how important safety is, so that mm-hmm. the crew chiefs are looking out for the people underneath them in the field who might be in danger, and they don't even realize it. So the training aspect of it, just to look out for the people that are working under you, I think is so important, especially with with brand new people. I just keep coming back to the fact that she was brand new; she had not probably experienced this kind of environment before and probably through like anxiety or fear or something just was afraid to speak up. And, and then, you know, we lose somebody who's so young, you know, could have come on her just quickly too. I mean, who who knows? knows? Yeah. I think again, you can't train what you don't know. And so, You know, I think you're saying top down. Absolutely. I agree with you. I think top down, meaning it needs to happen as a, as a, an industry, mm-hmm. right? So there mm-hmm. needs to be mm-hmm. more push for that on an industry level, because again, there are a lot of small companies that I do believe are doing the best that they can, but they don't have the money to have a safety director or an HR, even an HR director. And so, you know, if we had some industry like RPA were to come out, with certain industry standards. Mm. I think that would be great because otherwise it's just not going to happen. People, I mean, I know me, I work for a great company with safety and everything. I'm so busy right now that I just, I can't even take care of myself, you know? Right. (laughs) Let alone take the time to sit back and do something on an admin level that doesn't make you money or that doesn't get your project done. Something that's separate from actually a project goal is is difficult and it's not going to happen. So I think, I think on industry level, it, it would be helpful. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And one of the things this is making me think of this current discussion and then Andrew talking about leadership is I think, and I've worked for some companies that were a little too micromanaging in this, but there are some aspects that I, that I do like where, you know, everybody up the chain is aware of at least the hazards on a project coming out. And, you know, obviously a hazard that should be spoken, even though, you know, this was a Louisiana company working in Louisiana, they know what, they know it's hot. They know it's humid. They live there. They live it every day uh, and they bring in field techs and maybe they, maybe because of that. And again, not putting anything on the company, but I'm just thinking of my own circumstances where, you know, I might be used to high altitude, you know, Nevada heat in the summertime. I'm not, it sucks, but I might be. And <laughs> I bring somebody out from, you know, like, like we had, we had Paul from the architect podcast on a project last year and he's coming from sea level in New York. And to, you know, to be honest, I didn't even think about that. I didn't even think about the yeah. fact that he was coming yeah. out to four to 7,000 feet to work in mm-hmm. extremely dry temperatures. He's not like a super young man, you know, he's, uh, <laughs> You know, I'm just saying I like I didn't even cross my mind to discuss those things with him and and, you know, and do that. Now, he's a smart guy. He's uh, you know, he's been around the block. He, he's worked in, you know, he's in Saudi Arabia literally right now on a project. So, you know, probably because of that, maybe I didn't think I needed to say it, but I think it should be said either way. And just as another example of this too, of something that should be done. And again, in, in the case of Kalen, there wasn't even time to do this, but I was on a project, I don't know, God, it was probably close to 10 years ago now. And I was just made a project manager at this company out of Reno. And I was given a, like, a, it was a couple thousand acre survey. And I had a crew out there. Uh, I had a couple of green people and and I had somebody, I had a, people I didn't even know, right? I had, they were just hired recently, either for the project or just hired recently and for the company. And one of the guys who was an older guy, he was probably 15, 20 years older than me at the time. And he was just really struggling and we weren't going up hills or anything like that. And I looked back a couple of times and, and not even, I mean, it was hot, but it wasn't like unbearably hot at the time yet, at least, at least, you know, not to me. And I'm, I'm pretty much a sissy when it comes to heat. So if it wasn't hot to me, <laughs> I was figure like it was doing pretty good, but he's just like bending over, just like can't move. And I'm like, dude, what is going on? And then I come to find out that he's had like a quadruple bypass and like four open heart surgeries. <laughs> last like 10 years right and i just like that's that's too much and and i told my supervisors i was like listen i he's a great guy i like him but he's off this project and until you know he's either going to work gis which is what he wanted to do or he's gonna maybe he can do some projects in the fall when it's cooler but he just cannot be out there and you know have a heart attack while he's doing survey that's not worth it so and sometimes you got to recognize that and say it and even though it's going to piss somebody off and you know they might become unemployed after that because there's nothing else for them to do but at least they're alive yeah, so, that is worth yeah. it every time. Again, it, that's that leadership moment. And that also brings up, you know, when you're on a crew and you're out there doing something like that, you can tell when somebody's really struggling, like you oh, can yeah. see it mm-hmm. on their face. You can see it on their skin, you know, the, their body position. But you, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. like yeah. you'll see people where you're like, oh, man, you know, and then yeah. um, I Say try something. and talk. I try and talk with them and I'll talk with if there's anybody above me, you know, because you you have to bring Mm -hmm. that out. I'll also say we talked about shade for a moment. There's a such thing as good shade and bad shade. And uh, Mm -hmm. I always tell people who are in real bad straits, I'm like, look, you need to sit down, drink some water and sit in the good shade. And by good shade, I mean black shade, not dappled shade. 
And, right. and yeah. the worst case, worst case environment, the best shade is underneath the truck. It's okay. Mm-hmm. Don't be afraid to lie underneath the truck because you want to get in the truck. What if there's no air conditioning? And even in there, there's glass. The sun's beating in underneath yeah. the truck in a worst mm-hmm. case scenario. You drink water underneath the truck in, in good shade. The, the one thing is, and, and I'm, you know, I'll, I'll admit I'm guilty of this. There have been times where somebody wasn't feeling well and we're on a project and we're all like, we're all pushing ourselves, but we're, the rest of us are okay. And a couple people are not. And I think that as people, we need to be compassionate because, you know, when you're under stress and you're working hard and you're tired and whatever, you can get cranky. Right. And Mm -hmm. so the um the little devil part of you <laughs> when somebody says i'm not feeling well and they get to go and sit in the air conditioned truck and you're continuing to work <laughs> is that you have this like oh they're being a sissy or whatever you know and just you know that's a reminder that we need to be good to each other um there are conditions mm-hmm. that other people have that you don't know about and if they don't do all that well in the sun um i know i don't do as well as other people do in the sun And I wouldn't want somebody to look down on me because of that. And so just, you know, remembering that being a buddy is also having compassion for each other and understanding that sometimes you're going to have to pick up the slack. Sometimes, you know, not that you're doing something unsafe, but sometimes they're just not feeling well that day and you don't know why it is. And Mm -hmm. you have to have compassion for them. Yeah, definitely. I was thinking too, that I think that planning for extreme weather should start in the office too, right? I think it's never a good idea to plan for very long transects or very long hiking situations when the weather is extreme. Because Mm -hmm. if something does go wrong and you're far from the vehicle, that's a problem, number one. And number two, you should be doing smaller chunks of work so that there is the opportunity to take a break somewhere where you have shade if you're Mm. in the desert and there is Mm -hmm. no trees, you know. But having the truck accessible to you with air conditioning and everything, I think is really important. And just, just plan for that. I mean, yeah. Okay. Sometimes it's really satisfying to do a mile long transect, but it's not really (laughs) great if it's, if it's really hot or really cold out or some other extreme weather. So I have, so this, this is something I've done before where we have these really long projects, specifically linear projects or very large Mm -hmm. projects Mm -hmm. is that when you have somebody like maybe your friend that you were just talking about, Chris, that, or the Mm -hmm. person that, that wasn't doing well, right? Sometimes it's really good and it, it, it sounds like it's going to cost a lot of money, but it doesn't because it actually saves time. How many times do people do, they walk over an area they've already walked, right? So you have a runner, you have a runner and a truck. And that's all they do. And so that's a good role for somebody who maybe isn't feeling well that day or maybe wouldn't have been able to work otherwise because they're not physically in that condition, but they could be a good runner in a truck. So you have, we've done that where we have one runner and that person goes back and forth and they had the radio and they're, especially in a linear, sometimes it just works out better that way. And on ridge lines, when we do ridge, ridge lines or in larger big, huge swaths of area. And so, you know, that's another option. It's really just the hours of that person that it takes. Mm -hmm. And really, Mm -hmm. when you think about it for what you're billing out, that's what another $700 a day. That's actually not not, on a big project. You're not going to do that in a small project. So the only time you would be on, 
would be on a big project. Big projects mm-hmm. can afford that kind of extra expense. And in the long run, it actually is a lot more efficient. And well, safer. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing too, not to put this into business terms, but sometimes things have to be put into business terms. I mean, these big yep. projects, like, like companies like yours, Heather, and the companies you're working for, I mean, they start losing permits and insurance and stuff like that if their safety rates yep. go down. So I was going to say that. I was just going to say that. And that was one thing that I thought about when, when you, uh, before we even got on the podcast. And that was that if an industry was that all companies had to adhere to these kind of safety rates. Now, I do mm-hmm. think they're a little messed up right now because there's, you know, there's instances that go against your safety count that really shouldn't. So that does sure. need to be tweaked a bit. But I do think that if more projects were like that, the only reason that exists right now is because you have certain companies, large companies, that if they hire you as a subcontractor, you have to have a good safety rating. But not all contracts are like that. A lot of contracts aren't like that. But if that was more the case, I think companies obviously would be doing a lot better when it came to their safety because it's hitting their bottom line. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Indeed. All right. Well... Uh, thanks guys for coming on the show. Let's do some final thoughts real quick and then we'll wrap this up. So I'm going to hit Andrew first, Andrew, final thoughts on this topic. You know, I'm just going to end with one more tip and trick for an extreme hot, sweaty environment, which is monitor your breathing and try not to over breathe yourself if you're in that kind of environment, because it'll, you'll so easily kind of go, uh, 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 right? Like just try mm-hmm. and take it a bit slower. It's almost like Zen in the art of walking the rice paper. You know, you <laughs> kind of walk slow, but meaningfully. And if you can do that throughout the day, you kind of save yourself. So that's my last little bits of tip and trick. There you go. Nice. Rachel. I think my final thought is just to never be afraid to say when something is not right with you. And I've been the person who was afraid to say something. So I understand the fear and the anxiety, but but don't be afraid. And if you mm-hmm. are afraid and if you do lose your job because you say something, then that is not a company that you should be working for. They're not good and that you should move on. So don't right. be afraid to stand up for yourself. And also companies don't look down on people who, you know, aren't as physically fit. We'll get there. You know, sometimes it takes a minute to, <laughs> to get your field, your transect legs into you. <laughs> right. Heather. Well, I'll say just to bring it back to the, the reason we had this podcast was Kaylin and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, want to offer my condolences. Uh, it's terrible. I can't imagine even her partners, even though they may have only known her for a day, how that must have felt. I am right. actually really impressed that they did have, you know, they were, you know, uh, doing CPR right away and that they were prepared to do that. That's wonderful. I would say just in her honor, if we all go out and we look out for each other, then, you know, not like a life is in, you know, the death is in vain, it's never in vain. But I mean, that we are honoring this event by being kinder to each other, being more compassionate towards each other, and taking personal responsibility over our health and well being. Indeed, well said. And I'll just end by just really 
parroting what what is in the startup community to be honest and something i kind of mentioned at the beginning is you always hear in in the startup community and people just starting out fail and fail hard they say until you hit success and i think where that applies here is people are afraid to fail themselves and i'm saying fail because we need to own that word it's okay to say that right it's okay to say listen i simply just can't do this, right? And I don't think Kaylin even had the chance to even say that. I think what we're going to find out is she did have some sort of underlying, you know, health concern or something like that, that maybe she didn't even know about, who knows. But, you know, if anybody's out there right now in this hot, hot, hot summer, or there's a tornado bearing down on you, and you're just like, listen, this isn't for me, you know, and and maybe it's not just the project, maybe it's the region, maybe it's archaeology, and that's okay. It's not the end of the world. You can do something else. You know, I didn't get my archaeology degree till I was in my late 30s. And now right now, I'm kind of not really doing a whole lot of archaeology anyway. And I'm in a completely different industry aside from the APN. And I'm doing okay. It's fine. <laughs> there's, there's no problem, you know, and it's just, you'll find something to do. You'll find somewhere else to do it. If you want to keep doing archaeology and that's your passion, it's happening literally all over the country and you can go find another place to do it. If where you're at is not right, whether it's the company or the weather or whatever it is, just own that and move on and live to transact another day. So <laughs> <laughs> with that we will end this episode um, please share this out far and wide we're not putting any ads on this show uh, I'm taking you know all this stuff out as you've heard since you've listened to the whole thing and you know we're not trying to get anything out of this we want people to hear this message that that need to hear it and and get it out there so if you're listening to this please share it with your friends share it with your crew with your fellow field techs you know share it with whoever you can that needs to use this that needs to hear this and it doesn't just apply to CRM archaeology it's any of these you know hot outside field jobs you know mm, it's, it's all the yeah. same thing right it's all the same thing so mm-hmm. the only link we're going to have in the show is the link to Kaylin's GoFundMe page that her cousin I think put up in for her family to help just cover you know expenses the APN has donated please follow us and donate along with it along with us and you know help them out in this terrible time so thanks guys for joining us on the show and for joining me on the show and we will be back next time with your regularly scheduled programming That's it for another episode of the CRM Archaeology Podcast. Links to some of the items mentioned on the show are in the show notes for this podcast, which can be found at www.archpodnet.com slash podcast. Please comment and share anywhere you see the show. If you'd like us to answer a question on a future episode, email us. Use the contact form on the website or just email chris at archaeologypodcastnetwork.com. Support the show and the network at arcpodnet.com slash members. Get some swag and extra content while you're there. Send us show suggestions and interview suggestions. We want this to be a resource for field technicians everywhere, and we want to know what you want to know about. Thanks to everyone for joining me this week. Thanks also to the listeners for tuning in, and we'll see you in the field. Goodbye. This episode was produced by Chris Webster from his RV traveling the United States, Tristan Boyle in Scotland, DigTech LLC, Cultural Media, and the Archaeology Podcast Network, and was edited by Chris Webster. This has been a presentation of the Archaeology Podcast Network. Visit us on the web for show notes and other podcasts at www.archpodnet.com. Contact us at chris at archaeologypodcastnetwork.com. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. 
That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time.